Summertime has officially begun, and I pray that you have plans for it, that you're making plans to take a vacation with the family, enjoy the sunshine, that's where the vitamin K is anyway, intentionally fellowshipping for the sake of laughter, because it does good like with medicine, and that you're appreciating the goodness of God in your life by just slowing the pace a bit. That's my plan anyway. I mean, that's what summer is all about, a break, right? Yes, indeed it is. But if you'll hear me today, seasons are no reason to break from God. It may sound obvious, but I'm talking about why in today's Woman Pray podcast. Stay tuned because it's good stuff. To the grown woman, pray. To the woman looking for answers, pray. To the woman who's busy and just needs a change, pray. Pray, woman. Stop comparing yourself. Pray. Stop grumbling. Pray. Stop giving excuses. Stop counting yourself out. Pray. Stop discounting God. It's time to pray. Welcome to the Woman Pray Podcast. questions have been posed to each one of us to consider as well as contemplate whether you've been in Christ a long long time or you just got here there have been serious questions posed like do you know him <laughs> will you believe him hmm. will you live for him those are loaded questions because as Christians, life cannot be centered around what we get from God, even though he does bless us, but our lives are based upon what he has already given. And so our response is not just something to think about, but our response must be something that we live out. That inasmuch as Jesus completed the work for our salvation by what he did, and believers in scripture responded to him with actions, actions that followed, uh, that followed him, they followed him, and they represented him in their community and spoke up for him in the world. In the same way, it should be true for each one of us that we respond like believers who Acts chapter 4 says, lived for Christ with one heart and one soul, who had great power and great grace and who lived with much love and no lack. These are actions. And so our question in closing the series today is, will you live not just for him, but will you live like him? Will you live like him? That is, will you look at Jesus' example? Will you look at the report of those found in Scripture who followed Jesus? Will you look at, the, at them and then pattern your life so that the gospel of the kingdom can continue through you? Jesus can be seen in you. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power can flow through you, that the Father can use 
use you and show himself strong in your life? Will you be imitators of God as dear children according to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling aroma to God? Because remember... It's not enough to just think about our response to Christ. God is asking us to begin living out our response to him, just like the followers living for him did in Acts chapter 4. So that's where we'll turn our attention in verse 32, which reads, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that believed to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is our example then of what living like Jesus means. And it begins with, number one, one heart and one soul. Acts 4, we're looking at verse 32. It says, those who believed were what? Of one heart and one soul. And so as believers, Ephesians tells us further what this oneness looks like. And so we turn our attention now to Ephesians chapter 4. We're looking at verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace for there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all and so to have one heart means that we individually welcomed Jesus into our lives. Individually, we've made a decision to believe on the Lord. Individually, we've, we've accepted the charge to live by the demands of our new position in Christ. Now, now, together... Together, we display our new character towards one another. That is, we're no longer living for ourselves, but for him. We're no longer carnal, but we are now spiritual. We're no longer selfish, but we are now generous. No longer independent to ourselves because we are a part of 
a body, a system that functions in response to the other. Just as my hand works in conjunction with my wrist and my wrist works in conjunction with my arm and my arm works in conjunction with my shoulder and then thereby my whole body works in conjunction with one another. As a believer, life in Christ means that I work in conjunction with or oneness with people who have also made an individual decision to follow Christ. And when we live in that oneness, when we're living as one, we consciously, consciously respond to each other with lowliness, that is with humility and constraint. I consciously respond to people with gentleness. So now we're, we're sensitive to people and we're not indifferent. When we live in that oneness, there is long-suffering where I'm patient and I am forgiving. We bear with the other. That is, we tolerate, we support, and we endure when we really just want to give up on folk. We bear with the other and also, we endeavor to keep the unity through the bond of peace. That is, we live in oneness and strive to keep harmony and unity and friendship with one heart for him. We remain in the body so that it is fully functioning. But when there is one soul, the soul represents our mind, our will, our imagination, our emotions, and our intellect. So obviously, there will be differences, obviously. That there will be differences among us, whether it be our responsibilities or our callings. That there will be different priorities, different personalities, different levels of strength and weaknesses, different opinions, different but because we are from one heart, we truce. We truce in advance, not to run over people or run from people because we understand that we will always disagree at some point in this fellowship, in this oneness. But because of our individual decision to live for him and represent him, we remain one. We operate as one heart and one soul. The believers in Acts had an array of differences, just as we do today. But they had one heart and they had one soul by holding fast to him who is the head. Colossians 2 says, hold fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that comes from God. And so whatever differences amongst them were still surrendered to his leading, surrendered to his will, to his way, to his direction. 
And so we can do the same when our individual decision to display his character works in conjunction with others who have also made an individual decision to display his character too. That like the believers in Acts, what we have is no longer our own. We willingly make sacrifices and we're patient, able to give not just grace, but we give of our substance, all because with one heart and soul, we're working in conjunction with the other, living like him and representing him in oneness with the Father. It's an answer to Jesus's prayer in John 17, 21, where he would say, Father, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Thus we live with one heart and one soul. But we also live in number two, great power and great grace. We're looking at Acts chapter 4, verse 34. We read it earlier. It says, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And so to appreciate this just a little more, I want us to look at 2 Corinthians. There in chapter 1, we're looking at verse 3. It's on the screen. It reads, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Interestingly enough, Scripture uses superlatives, superlatives to tell us what's happening, that it wasn't just power and grace, but it was great power. It was great grace, meaning there was considerably more power and grace than the norm, considerably more power and grace than, uh, than what is uh, humanly possible. It was more grace and more power above average, beyond expectation. It's called the anointing. <laughs> That's the anointing because God is at work in you. So this is no strength of your own. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Gospel of John says that the Holy Spirit is in you. He dwells with you and you as a believer, you already know him. And so we have accounts of believers who shared Jesus with people, who told their testimony by the work of the Holy Spirit who resides within them, who so empowered them as witnesses that they walked with the kind of favor that brought attention and yielded real results. It was great power. 
And the same spirit is at work in each one of us right now. Come on, say the same power. It's right now working in our lives. Right now you have not just power, but by the Holy Spirit you have great power. The power to witness for Jesus. You have great power to be an ambassador for Jesus. You have great power to be ministers of reconciliation. God makes his appeal through you so that you can comfort others with the comfort that you yourself have received. In other words, in the same way that you were broken and busted, in the same way that you were lost and astray, in the same way that you were distracted and blind, in the same way that you were empty and void, you have enough power right now to make great impact by the Holy Spirit who is at work in you. Not in some mechanical or perfunctory way, but in a way that captures people's hearts. That where, where your words, your, your words, they resonate and they identify with your experience. That's called great grace. Oh, let me say it again. That's called great grace, where you speak and people want to hear more, where you walk in a room and people are drawn to you. You're wondering why they're looking at you because there is great grace, where you speak and they want to know more. And when, the, when you realize it, it looks like the door is wide open for you to share with them who Jesus is. It's called great grace where God affirms you as his mouthpiece and signs and wonders really do follow you. So you have great power and you have great grace to speak to the hurt that some have never shared. You have great power and great grace to pray for those who are distant and hardened in heart. You have great power and great grace to replenish the weary and instruct the foolish. You have great power and great grace for your life, but also for your community and for the world. You have great power. You have what? Great grace. The believers in Acts relied on the power of the Holy Spirit and told the world about Jesus, but also allowed his spirit to work, to work in their lives so that they were moved with compassion. That's the character of God. They were moved with compassion towards one another. They were moved to comfort one another and give of themselves so that everyone amongst them had all things in common. And with great power and great grace in your life, his spirit will be at work in you so that needs are met right here in Hope Cathedral, where you look over and you see a need. And by his spirit, you are inclined to meet it. Maybe it's the tongue of the learned for those that are weary. Maybe he'll use you to bring refreshing. Refreshing, in other words, use your money to lend to the Lord. That's what the scripture says, that when I give to the poor, I am lending to the Lord. Or maybe, maybe with encouragement, I'm offering support because I've heard the cry of a, the heart of someone. 
You have great power and you have great grace because the Spirit of God is at work in you and through you. And so you're not ordinary and neither are you basic. I wonder if you say, I'm not ordinary and I'm not basic. I got great power and I got great grace. Oh, somebody needs to say it again. You're not convinced. I've got great power and I've got great grace. So I'm not ordinary, and I'm not basic. I got great power, and I got great grace. So I'm not ordinary, and I'm not basic. Which leads us to what it means to live as his representative with, number three, much love and no lack. Much love and no lack. We look back at verse 34 of Acts 4, and it says, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. To reinforce our understanding, I think we can look at another passage there in 1 John chapter 5. We're looking at verse 1. It says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Somebody ought to just whisper, it's not a burden to me. It's not a burden to me. Whenever you think about what it means to love God, it's not about feelings. We're not talking about blissful thoughts of euphoria. We're not talking about jitters and goosebumps. No, it's not abstract and it's not without effect. The world has reduced love to such emptiness and meaningless commitment. And so to ensure that we as the body of Christ don't adopt the same with our hearts, as believers, the scripture says in both the gospel of John and 1 John that loving God means obedience to him. Loving God means what? obedience to him. In fact, it's not just the royal law to be seen and recognized, but the second is like it, and that is to love our neighbor as ourselves, which means that this love may not be intuitive. Oh, I hope you hear me. This love may not be intuitive because I may not really know how to love. So I can't be waiting for a feeling in order to love somebody. If you wait for a feeling, you'll be waiting a long, long time. You wait for a feeling, you'll miss God. So this love is not intuitive. This love is not about what's comfortable because it may call us out of our comfort zone. It may bid us to represent his love to others when it just doesn't feel fair, just, doesn't, just don't want to do it. <laughs> that's, that's not easy, this love. It's not easy. Because we are now motivated by love alone. We are only motivated by love alone. Not my ability to love others, but his love for me. That's the only motivation. 
because he loves me. 1 John 4 and 19. I love God because he first loved me. I'm motivated. And so I hear scriptures for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? Because that's his love. Jesus gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice for you because of love. That while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Why? Because of love. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm motivated by his love. He who knew no sin became sin so that that I could be the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm motivated yeah. by that love. Yeah. You he made alive who was dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But now you are made alive together in Christ Jesus. You've been raised up together with him. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am motivated by love. Even more, he says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from his love because his love endures forever. And so if he doesn't stop, then you don't stop responding to him. If he doesn't stop, I can't stop. I don't stop responding to him with obedience and loving people. Not from a rigid response of laws and rules and obligations and requirements. No, I don't stop loving, but I keep loving with willing obedience. I keep loving with deference rather than preference. I keep loving with a desire to please and a search for how to honor the one who so loved me. And so because of his love, because of his love, now all. I wonder if you'll say that with me. All. Now what? All. All that you have, the money that you've earned, the influence that you've gained, the talents that you've cultivated, the resources accessible to you, all that you have is available to your king. Just like Abel brought the first of the flock to his father. Just like a, a David would say, I will not bring to God that which costs me nothing. That just like the widow who brought all that she had, money valued less than a penny for the offering. Just like the woman who anointed Jesus with oil worth a year's wages. Just like the woman who used her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. Just like Zacchaeus who gave half his goods to the poor and restored fourfold what he took by false accusation just by simply meeting Jesus. Just like the disciples who left all to follow Jesus. All that you have is now available because you have received his love. My holiness is available to him. My purity is available to him. My heart is available to him. My pockets are there. Everything I've got is available to him because of his love. Everything. Not a bit, not here and there, a little dab will do you. All of it, all of it. You know something about gambling? If you're a real gambler, put it all in. Oh, y'all know that, right? What, I'm going to put one chip on that? Put it all in. That's what we need. I'm all in, Jesus. 
all in. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. This ain't gambling. Because you put all in and some of y'all don't get nothing back. But when you got the love of God, hallelujah, it's double, triple, quadruple return. Because you put it all in. So God can use your words to build up someone. Yeah, that's the easy part, right? But your money is also available for him to encourage too. Yeah. Somebody came to church on a half a tank. Somebody else came on just, what is that, when it's less than a quarter? <laughs> came on fumes. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I just heard the Lord say, if you came on fumes, raise your hand right now. It's all right. I got one. Who else was on fumes? Two. Who else? All right. You riding. <laughs> Amen. All right. So we take care of that. Amen. We take care of one another. Amen. Oh, no. Y'all a little weak. We just got finished saying all right. And so now somebody say I'm on fumes and we are. <laughs> no, we all. It was two. Why don't you stand up, my brother? And my sister, so ain't no shame in the house of God because we take care of each other. Hallelujah. There'll be no fumes in this house. Hallelujah. It's three, sir. It's three. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So, yes, God may use your skill sets to help someone in need, but you've also, he also welcomed him to reach into your friend group, to reach into your networks to benefit others too. Somebody looking for a job and you know folk. Why are you silent? You got, you got contacts. Why are you silent and you hear them talking about they need a job? You ought to be convicted. Because you got the resource. And there are needs all around us. Amen? You busy looking on out. I don't know if they're fitting. I don't know. If That's not your job. Amen? Now I got off my message. Temporal thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, love demonstrates. Love demonstrates. Hallelujah. It's called much love. It's the love that we see demonstrated in Acts chapter 4 that allowed them to have all in common. Temporal things were no longer for the accumulation of personal asset. No, it would now be a resource for all. A resource for all. That maybe God gave this to me because it's not for my pocket, but I'm the connection from where I got it to where it needs to go. I got to see this bigger. This is more than, oh, I got to... I found five dollars. I found five dollars. I don't need to find out. Maybe it's not your five dollars. Maybe it's supposed to go to somebody you're about to talk to in just a few minutes. And God provides. He gives seed to the sower. If you don't sow, you don't get no seed. But if you a sower, he'll always make sure you got plenty of seed because he knows you're going to be obedient to the need. Oh, come on here. Hallelujah. It's the kind of love where there is no lack. No lack for us personally because 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says that he causes all grace. That's that favor. He causes all grace to abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency in all things and you lack for nothing. 
He causes no lack, not just personally, but there is no lack in our midst as a body. Acts 4.34 saying that there was not a needy person among them. And I know that the God we serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's not a needy person among us. Remove the limited thinking of this world where if you, get, if you give, then that means you're going to be without. That's impossible with God. That's just that's like saying in our system, one plus one is three. It's impossible. It just doesn't add up. So when you're a giver, there's no way you're going to lose. And if there's loss, then they, we got to talk. Because that's not supposed to happen in God's economy. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. So remove that out of your mind. That if I give, I'll be without. Or that life is just about give to me. Give to me. Proverbs 11:24 says, "There is one who scatters, yet increases more." Don't seem like it adds up. That, that don't add up. But that's what the word says. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right. Or oh, I need to say it again. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. This is the word of the Lord, the same word that says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, I shall be saved. The same word is telling me that if I withhold more than is right, it's leading me to poverty. Verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. I wonder if you'll shout much love. Come on, shout, much love equals no lack. Hallelujah. And so I pray that we will all be obedient to our Father. That we'll be sensitive to the leading of his spirit. That when he speaks, that we don't talk ourselves out of the blessing. But we will be able to give because there is much love. So there will be no lack. Not just in our lives individually but in this house, that there be no lack in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I, I remember growing up, they used to say that church, oh, that church right there, that's where the silk stocking church, that's where the, the people got some. Y'all ever heard of that before? Some of y'all look at me, hey, raise your hand if you heard that before. Miss Millie had, yeah. Yeah, because churches are known for something. We need to be known as a church. There ain't no lack over there. There ain't no lack over there. They take care of their people. They, they walk together, amen? So now listen, now watch this. This is not your time to say, oh, let me call the church because they're giving stuff. See, you don't miss the point. Right? You, you missed the point. Much love says I got from God so that I can give. There will be no lack. But if there's a need, hallelujah, we'll, there will be no lack because he said he provides. So that's what we have. Provision is in this house. Amen? Amen? Provision is in this house. Glory be to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm over time. 
Father, I just thank you so much for the conviction of your word that it's not me trying to convince folk, but it is your Holy Spirit that arrests our hearts so that we will no longer hold back, but we would hear your voice, be led by your spirit, and that we would be givers, givers of love, kindness, that we would be givers of gentleness and long-suffering, that we would be givers of our substance, that we would be givers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, that we would no longer hold on to what you have given to us to release. Let there be conviction even now that when we go into this, this week, that we're sensitive to those around us, that we'll follow the leading of your spirit, that when you tell us to call someone, that we won't procrastinate, but we'll call immediately, that you would make us quick and alert, vigilant to see and to be the, the vessel that you use for your glory. I thank you, Father, for this house, and I thank you for establishing us in righteousness, the very truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, that if we stumble, we will not fall, that we would each know your word so the enemy cannot steal it, that the word would not be burned because of tribulation and problems, that the word would not be choked because of the cares of this life, the desire for things and the deceitfulness of riches, but Lord, that this word would bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold in each one of our lives, whether we're weak or strong, young in you, or very mature. May we produce fruit, I pray, as we have heard your word and declare that we are doers in Jesus' name. With your heads still bowed, your eyes closed, if you have never made a decision for Jesus Christ, I'd like to pray with you and for you, but I need to know who I'm praying for. And so I want to encourage you today, Jesus is the answer for your life. If you think it's about being a nice person, you've missed it. If you think it's about being a giving person, you've missed it. Life in Christ is possible because you believe. You believe in your heart and you've decided to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if that's your decision today, then allow me to pray. I want you to lift your hand up real high and say I need a savior and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ that he died on the cross he rose again and he of God the Father. Therefore, I believe and I will demonstrate what I believe by my actions. Come on and raise your hand all over this room. I see one hand. I see hands going up all over. If you're on online, I want you to click the button under me and then I invite all of us to pray because no one prays alone at Hope Cathedral. Come on, let's pray. My Father, I know without Jesus I'm lost. So I repent for my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. And so I, I yield my life, declaring Jesus is Lord. I declare Jesus is alive, and he's living in me. Do your work, Jesus. Holy Spirit, bring conviction to my heart. Father, speak to me. I am your servant. And I'm giving it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. Did you hear that lesson? You have community. So don't discount the people God has put in your life this summer. Remember that God wants you to introduce Christ to people who don't know him or are just not familiar with him. And then know that your communion with the Father, that is the time you spend in prayer, even though it's summertime, will be how God uses you to meet people who are lost, unsure, 
broken and empty, distracted and disillusioned. So let your light shine. Let it shine this summer as you purpose to live for him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for another season, a season of summertime. I pray now that every person listening to me will be safe throughout their travels, safe, and that they'll also enjoy their family, that they won't take any day for granted, but every day would be a day where they're giving thanks unto you and that you're using each one of us to your glory, that no matter where we are, whether we're home or uh, traveling, that we will be light, that we will be a city on the hill and a salt that has not lost its saltiness because we continue in our fellowship with you calling upon you knowing that you hear us I trust Lord God that your grace is sufficient for each one of us that we will be established in righteousness oppression far removed that you will protect us from evil people and wicked men that you'll protect us from incident and accident that you've given your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways so that we don't dash our foot against the stone. And I pray, Lord, that as we look to you, that you would be glorified through your son in Jesus's name. Thank you again for joining me on the Woman Pray podcast. We'll see you next time.